Church, our reading this morning is from Jonah chapter 3. If you'd like to open your Bibles or your apps, whatever you would like to do. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. For those who don't know me, my name is Ben. I'm the community pastor here at BPCC and I'm so excited to open up Jonah chapter 3 with you this morning. You see, Jonah 3 reveals to us a profound picture of God's mercy and God's grace. And we get to see just how deep and wide God's love is for this broken world. God not only gives a second chance to the rebellious prophet Jonah, but he pours out his grace and mercy upon an incredibly wicked city. Now maybe you've gotten to the point in your life where you think God could never forgive you. You've just messed up one too many times and he, he isn't interested anymore. He's just turned his back. Some of you may be thinking that. Or maybe you're different. Maybe you think there is someone else that you know who could not possibly come to know God. That they are too far, too bad, too stubborn. Or maybe there's someone in your life that you think God shouldn't forgive. Well, Jonah chapter 3 is going to challenge us in these areas this morning. So let's lean in. If you missed the last two weeks, we've been going through this book and it's been, it's been such a good series. If you've missed any of the sermons, um, you can catch up on them online, on Facebook or on any podcast app, or Vimeo or on our website. So make sure you jump on and check them out. And so far in the series, we have encountered a runaway prophet called Jonah. God called Jonah to go and preach a message of judgment against Nineveh, a wicked city called Nineveh. 
Jonah rejected God's call and fled. However, God used Jonah's disobedience to do wonderful things. He revealed himself to sailors that had never heard of him before. And he pursued Jonah until the runaway prophet could run no longer. The rebellious prophet came to the end of himself and turned back to God. And this is where we find ourselves this morning. We're going to explore this story in three sections. Three sections. Jonah's half-hearted obedience, the Ninevites' wholehearted repentance, and God's gracious response. So the first section, Jonah's half-hearted obedience. Let's read verses 1 to 4 again. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now there's a few things that we can learn from this passage. And the first thing is, that God gives us new beginnings. God gives us new beginnings. In chapter 1, Jonah rejected God's call. He hardened his heart. He ran away. He rebelled. And what was God's response? He pursued Jonah. And when Jonah called out to God, God delivered him from the belly of the whale, set him on dry land and gave him his task again. In these verses, Jonah is given a new beginning. And that's got to be good news for some of us this morning. I mean, all of us at some point or another have sinned against our precious God. And sometimes we sin against him again and again and again, doing the same thing. And we think... Surely it's over for me. I can't be a Christian. God can't use me. God just can't keep forgiving me like this. Well, if that's you, you need to know that God is like no other person. We too easily compare God to other human beings. We too easily think of him in human terms. But his heart, is deeper and stronger and more loving than any other. He's been in the business of loving rebellious human beings for thousands of years now, and he has still not given up on us. He continues to make himself available. He continues to hold forth the free offer of the gospel. He continues to love and extend grace. He continues to use broken people like you and me to accomplish his purposes. His love never ends, never fails. I don't think we've ever heard of someone like this in this world. If I was God, if I was even rebelled against, if I was even hurt for a few months, I think I would have turned away. But for thousands of years now, he continues to love, continues to extend grace, continues to hold forth the free offer of the gospel to us. He is love. And some of us might be listening right now, And we know that we have been hardening our hearts. We've been fleeing from God like Jonah, rebelling against him. 
And my question for you is, are you done? Have you encountered enough storms yet? Have you sunk to the very pit of the ocean long enough to realise that resisting God is futile and lifeless? If you will simply turn to God and and confess your sins, the Bible says in 1 John 1 verse 9 that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he won't just stop there. He will give you a new beginning in Jesus. He wants to release you into his story and his mission. He specializes in using broken people like you and me to do amazing things. God gives us new beginnings. God gave Jonah a new beginning. But unfortunately, Jonah only embraces his second chance half-heartedly. He goes to Nineveh, just as God told him to. But listen to what he did when he, get, when he got there. It says, Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, let's get this straight. It says that it takes three days to cover the whole city. Yet we're told that Jonah only began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And the message he proclaimed is only five words in the Hebrew text, in the original text of the Old Testament. It is extremely short. It's concise. There's no mention of the possibility of mercy or grace. He goes, it's as if he just goes into the outskirts of the city, shouts five words out, shouts his message, and leaves almost. We get the picture that Jonah is a little half-hearted about his mission. We get the, the idea that he doesn't really want the Ninevites to hear God's warning to them. One commentator says, Jonah had just experienced the unmerited grace and goodness of God in his own life. Now he turns right around and makes it as difficult as possible for the Ninevites to experience God's deliverance. A graceless message delivered by one living in the shadow of an experience of grace. Now, we need to apply this to ourselves for a moment. Because we have to admit, I have to admit, if we're a Christian, we are living in the shadow of grace. We have received grace upon grace through Jesus. And the sad thing is that far too often we are like Jonah. We are half-hearted about God's mission to save a broken world. We are reluctant to move out of our comfort zone to love others. We too easily wish for evil upon those who mistreat us. We are far too often like Jonah. And that's why we need to understand this book. We need to hear what God is saying to us through it. Another commentator, he says, the message of the book for Israel and for the church today is that those who have been blessed by the Lord have the potential and indeed the responsibility to be a blessing to others, even their enemies. There is no nation or people beyond the range of the Lord's compassion and concern. So let me ask you, have you embraced 
your responsibility to be a blessing to others. If you're a Christian, you you have a call on your life just like Jonah did. Jesus has commissioned you and me to make disciples of, of every nation. We can read about it in Matthew 28. That's our calling. And that's the mission of VPCC as well, to make growing disciples for the good of our community and the glory of God. Now, we can either be like Jonah and flee to Tarshish, now, whether for us that's binging on Netflix or avoiding our neighbours or chasing after wealth and success. Or we can obey God wholeheartedly. We can lay down our lives, our time, our money, our comfort and give him our yes. We can embrace his call to make disciples. Now you might say, Ben, I, I want to obey God but I don't know where to start. Well, that's okay. That's what the BBCC leadership team is here for. We're not, we're not here to do what 400-odd Christians should be doing. One of the primary reasons we're here is to equip you to fulfill God's calling on your life. And nothing would make us more happy than for someone to come up to us and say, I want to get involved in God's mission. Can you help me to do that? Nothing would make us more happy. We would love to help you discover your spiritual gifts that God has given you. We would love to release you into the ministry that God has given you as we look to make disciples together as his church. Just let someone at the Connection Centre know or come and speak to one of the leaders at the end of the service. We would love to help. When broken people like us offer our obedience to God, he can do wonderful, even miraculous things. You see, God, God used even Jonah's half-hearted, reluctant obedience to bring about wholehearted, miraculous repentance to the Ninevites. And this brings us to section two, the Ninevites' wholehearted repentance. Let's read about how the Ninevites responded to Jonah's message again. Verses five to nine, it says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes. That's how they used to mourn back in those times. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them Call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Did you see that coming? Jonah's five words. God used that to do to produce this miraculous repentance in the Ninevites. No one would have expected this message to produce such miraculous results. But that's precisely the point. Because it's not about us. God is not limited by the strength of our faith or the extent of our obedience. It is sheer grace that he would even invite us into his grand plan And I think God just wants to show off a bit. 
He could do whatever he wants with the click of his fingers, but he chooses to use weaklings, misfits, average people like you and me to accomplish his purposes. And he looks all the more glorious for it. God uses the flawed obedience of his people to transform the hardest of hearts, even people like the Ninevites. So let me ask you, are you involved in God's mission? When I say mission, I'm not saying soup kitchens. I'm not saying a mission trip over to Thailand. Those things can be part of God's mission. But when I'm saying mission, I'm saying Jesus is called to go and make disciples of every nation, to go and tell people about him and invite them into his kingdom and into his rule. That can, look like, that can be done in so many different ways, but that's what I mean about mission. Are you involved in God's mission? And if you're not, what's stopping you? I I don't know, Ben. I don't know enough. I I need to grow more. Well, it's not about your knowledge or ability. Give God your obedience. I'm not a very good Christian. I, I sin a lot. Again, it's not about you. This is good news. It's not about us. God used the reluctant obedience of Jonah to bring a whole city to repentance. Surrender to him. But then they're an atheist, they're disinterested, they're already happy, they don't want to know about God. Don't ever place a limit on what God can do. Nineveh, one of the most brutal pagan cities in the Old Testament, repented at Jonah's five-word message. The situation is completely irrelevant when we have an all-powerful, all-loving God supporting us. Give God your yes. Now, there are different ways that you can get involved and give your yes to God here at BPCC. You can get involved in care ministry with the deacons. You can help an elderly person in the community with their garden or help a single mum move their house or transport sick people to hospital appointments and all the while look for opportunities to love them, build friendship with them, share Jesus with them. We are looking for more people to get involved in care ministry. If you're interested in that, let us know. Another way to get involved is by sponsoring a compassion child in our project in northern Thailand and you can write to them, you can tell them about God's love for them, you can pray for them, you can support them financially. There's, there's, there's opportunities in the youth team They regularly go into schools, cook breakfasts for students, volunteer, spend time with the students and the kids, love them, build relationships with them. There's opportunities all over the place. And if you're interested, just come and speak to one of us. One of the most simple ways to get involved in mission is simply by using your everyday normal life. You can start by praying for just one to two people that you love that don't know Christ. Start by praying for them. See what God does. It might be a friend at work or at uni or at school. It might be a family member. Start praying for them. And and pray risky prayers like, God, would you give me an opportunity to share the gospel with them this week? Pray risky prayers like that and see what he does. One of the ways that Mishan, my wife, myself and a few others from BPCC engage in mission is just by putting on social dinners every second Wednesday night. And uh, what we do is we just invite um, friends, family, work colleagues, 
uni mates, um, whoever, who don't know Jesus, and just to come have dinner with us. It's every second Wednesday night we take turns cooking the food and uh, providing that. And there's no obligations. Um, we just spend time with people. We just want to love people. And it's amazing to see what God has been doing already through these Wednesday dinners. Um, we said before we even started that we were going to intentionally love those outside the church and that whether these people ever became Christians or not, that we wanted them to become our friends because we wanted our love to be authentic. We didn't want them to become projects, but rather we wanted to make friends like Jesus did. And so, anyway, one of the girls from our group brought her workmate along. And uh, this girl was coming along for a while and she didn't know Jesus um, and she was just spending time with us and we were just spending time with her. And uh, after a while she began to say, why is everyone so loving here? Why is everyone so joyful? And she asked me one night, are you guys always like this? And I just said, Jesus, forgive me. Yes, we are. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> no, I didn't. I said, I'd be lying to you if we said we were perfect because we don't need to make ourselves look any better because God's in control. And um, after a while later on, she said to the girl that brought her along, look, I just want what you guys have. I want God in my life. And uh, within a few weeks, another friend who God had been using in her life told her about Jesus and she surrendered her life to the Lord. And uh, I remember like a couple, you know, a couple of months ago speaking to her and she was saying, I just couldn't believe that I could actually feel this kind of fulfillment. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm almost crying for joy that God had, has impacted my life. So that's something we can thank God for, I think, for sure. That's the kind of exciting thing God's, God does with normal, everyday, average people when we just go out and love others authentically. We don't need to force it down their throat. God's in control. Heaven only knows what God might do through this church if we collectively obey his call to make disciples. So embrace the call that God has given to you. And if you do, you might just get to the opportunity to witness God's mercy in someone's life, just like we get to see with the Ninevites. This takes us to section three, God's gracious response. God's gracious response. Verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. We have such a merciful God. What do you think about God? What's your view of him? I was speaking to a friend this week who said that he used to think that God would never forgive him. He thought God had turned his back from him because of the mistakes that he had made in his life. Do you think that way about God? Nineveh was possibly one of the most wicked places in the world at that time. If we read about the Assyrians in history, that's what Nineveh was a part of. They were brutal. Adam told you about how they would pile human heads on top of each other outside cities as if to say, this is what happens when you mess with Nineveh. You can look at, I was in the London Museum when I used to live in London, in the British Museum, and you can look at tablets of fish hooks through people's mouths, and they put hooks through people's mouths and noses and take them away in exile. They were brutal people. And God 
had mercy on them. His grace is absolutely dumbfounding. And I think we might need an illustration to help us understand. Think of the Nazis in World War II. They committed horrible atrocities. They put people in concentration camps, death camps. They put Jews in ghettos. They went to war with many, many nations. They did some some wicked things, just like the Ninevites would have. And now imagine the Allies warned them that they were going to lose the war horribly and there would be grave penalties for them if they did not repent. And even after killing and torturing millions, against all expectations, the Nazis call the war off. They release their prisoners. They publicly announce their wrongdoing. They repent. And then the Allies respond by saying, we forgive you. There's no penalty to pay. Consider yourselves a free country. Do you kind of understand why Jonah was a little reluctant now? God's mercy is so boundless that it is scandalous. He is such a merciful and gracious God. God gave even the Ninevites the opportunity to repent. So do you really think that God's grace for you has run dry? That can't possibly be true. We are not dealing with a finite being who gets tired and cranky. We are dealing with a God who never ceases to be merciful and gracious. It is simply who he is and he does not change. If you want proof, look at Jesus. He is the most accurate picture of God that we have because he is God. And Jesus went further than Jonah ever did. He embraced his call wholeheartedly from the beginning. Instead of coming as God's messenger to announce judgment, he became one of us and he took our judgment. He did it all willingly because of his great love for God and for us. He loves us so much that he freely laid down his life for our forgiveness and freedom. And the question is, will you repent and respond like the Ninevites did. You can trust that God's response will be gracious. Let's pray together. Lord, we just we want to respond to you now. Help us just to grasp just a little bit of your grace and your love and your mercy toward us. We just thank you for what you did for us, Jesus. You were the greater Jonah. You came and you entered into our mess and our brokenness willingly, became one of us, lived as us, died in our place so that we can simply, freely come before you, acknowledge our sin and receive your righteousness, your favour with God as if we always lived a perfect life. Lord, we just want to respond to that now. And for those of us who want to do that, we just say to you, Jesus, we just come to you, we repent, we lay it down at your feet. We want to know you. Lead us into your life. And Lord, there's others of us who have just been running from your call. You've given us a call, you've given us a ministry in this world. 
And some of us have been, been running away from it, been ignoring it, been busying ourselves with other things. Lord, please work in our hearts. Please draw us to yourself. Do away with our excuses, Father. Come and just lead us into your mission, Holy Spirit. Lead us into your mission and do wonderful, amazing, beautiful things through this church. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see people's hearts liberated. Use us for your glory, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.